Welcome to the Adorned Women Podcast. Our goal is to inspire you with new stories each week featuring women of faith from all over the world, both past and present, and we want to introduce you to them. Through weekly discussions with each sister in Christ, we hope to give you a glimpse into who they are and how their lives have been transformed by the gospel. We are all in this journey together, so let's be inspired together. Hello, Adorn Women. I'm Michaela, and I'm so excited for you to hear the conversation we had with our guest today, Natalie Marks. Natalie is a native of South Africa, born in Cape Town, and now living on the border of Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland. Growing up, her family didn't go to church together, but it was in her parents' home that she saw and experienced unconditional love and grace for all humanity. All her life, she knew she wanted to help people, but it wasn't until she married a pastor that she got a front row seat to the mission field. For a while, staying home to raise their four children was enough for Natalie, but as the children grew into adults and she felt the pull of the mission field, Natalie prayed for a ministry of her own. Now she splits her time between South Africa and Swaziland, working alongside her husband in the ministry God gave to her, to be a friend to all she meets. As we dive into our conversation with Natalie, you'll get to hear her share more of her story, as well as the wisdom she has to offer on what it means to be a friend and how God uses that for his glory. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm here with my co-host and sister-in-law, Alicia. Hello. Happy to be here. And we're also here with Natalie Marks. Natalie, say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today, and we can't wait to hear about your story. Um, but first, we just want to get to know you a little bit. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Okay, well, my name is Natalie, and I'm from South Africa, and I work with my husband in Swaziland, and I'm the second eldest of five daughters. I'm actually Afrikaans speaking, but English is my second language. I hope you're going to understand me this morning. Yes, I can understand you. I love your accent. It's pretty great. cool. Oh, great. It's pretty great. <laughs> great. Do you have any hobbies that you do for fun? That I do for fun? Oh, my word. Fun. Yeah. When you've got kids, there's not much time for fun. But yes, <laughs> I love I love gardening. I really, really do. Anybody that knows me knows that I journal, I collect stones, and I love gardening. That's just who I am. Do you like to garden flowers or more like plants and vegetables? Well, more like plants. I'm not uh, gardening, not as in landscaping, but I think of just having a an isolated place in the garden where I can have my hands in the ground and just have plants around me. And I, I think it's just uh, it's just my happy place. I love that. And you said that you collect stones. I do. And I never realized how important it would be in my life. But yes, I remember once just walking along the beach and going through something emotionally and I was picking up a stone and I just knew that I couldn't put it down. And I took it home and I started collecting stones. And then I realized that it's actually mentioned 129 times in the Bible. And every time I would collect a stone, I would write on it a date or a name or a place of something significant that happened. And that caused me to pick up the stone. And so I'm totally surrounded by the goodness of God around me because it's, it's just a reminder how God has come through for me every time. 
So yes, I collect stones. That's so cool. And stones in the Bible, they were kind of something to help the Israelites remember what God had done for them. Isn't there a story where they crossed a river and they built up the stones there to just remember that's where God helped them? Yes, they went through the the Jordan, Mm -hmm. and as they crossed the Jordan with God's help, they sent the leader of every tribe to the riverbed, to the middle of the riverbed, to collect a stone and to bring it back on the other side. And then Joshua told them to erect an altar with these stones, and he said to them, and um, I'm not quoting directly out of the Bible now, but he said to them, your children are going to ask you, And then you are going to tell them, this is how the Lord helped us. So it's a way of keeping your relationship with God alive. Yeah. For the next generation. Yeah. Do you share that kind of stuff with your kids? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They know that for sure. I journal about them and I collect stones and they know. When when my daughter phoned me quite a while ago, they found a lump in her breast. And I said, my girl, you need to pick up a stone because God and you are making memories. And so that's that's how we live our life. Wow. How old are your kids? I've remarried. So I'm in a second marriage. We've got four kids together. My eldest is 30, turning 32. <laughs> and my youngest is 27. And uh, uh, my blessed daughter that I was just blessed by um, through my second marriage, she's 37. And our son is turning 50. Wow. Yeah. So we've got our first grandchild already. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How old is your grandkid? He's just turned one, yes. Oh, then it was such a privilege dedicating him to the Lord and just pouring into him as well. Oh, that is so sweet. That is. So I also journal. That's one of my hobbies as well. As as one of the ways I also keep the memory of God's help and faithfulness alive. Is I write down dreams. I write down conversations with God, prayers. I praise God in my journal, and my kids know it. And sometimes when they come and visit, and um, they'll ask me, "Mom, can we have the journal?" Because it's theirs for one day, and they'll read how I prayed about them and and talk to God about them and. I love it. I love having something tangible to give to them that reflects our relationship with God in our family. Hmm. That's so cool. And what are what is it that you're doing right now in South Africa? In South Africa, uh, well, we've just come back from our family gathering, so we are going back to Swaziland next week. We normally start in January with revival services, and we continue with the work in Swaziland. We're close to the border of Swaziland. So when we're not there, we're in our apartment in Johannesburg. That's neat. And I think that gets us perfectly into our first uh, real question here as part of our main interview. We wanted to start off asking about how you got to where you are, because I think you have this awesome testimony about God helping you understand how you could best serve him. And I want to make sure we get into that. But first, could you share how did things start for you? because you haven't always been doing what you are doing now. So how did you get here? And was this something that you saw yourself doing as a child or did it develop later in life? When I think about it, I really have to count my blessings because I had such a great childhood. I had really, really amazing friends. And a friend invited me to church at the age of 17. That was one year before I completed my schooling. 
And that's where I really accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, my Lord. And I think that's where something started for me. Because after school, believe it or not, I joined the South African Police Service. And I can clearly, clearly remember when we used to arrest people for whatever reason, I would go into the cells and I would ask them if they won't change their habits and give their heart to God. So I've always known that I've wanted to to help people. It's always just been, I mean, when the love of God comes into your heart, there's got to be some way of it getting out. Am I right? Mm -hmm. So, and then about 16, 17 years ago, when I married Aubrey, I literally walked into his years of labor as a pastor in the mission field. And so, no, as a child, I never saw myself doing what I'm doing today, but I really always knew I wanted to help people. But little did I know how much being hands-on involved in him pursuing his dream and his ministry would directly change and shape my whole life. Wow. Do you have any stories from evangelizing to the people in, in prison in the cells? Well, yes. I remember specifically a girl called Laura Peda. I remember her. She used to um, use drugs. And I remember her coming into the cells every time we would catch her for possession and I would go into the cells and I would sit with Laura and ask her to give her heart to God. And about, I would say three, four years later, she came back to the police station and she was clean and she came to look me up to say thank you. And and that's the type of things that I did. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. That is pretty thank incredible. You. Yeah. When you were remarried and you sort of jumped into that life supporting a missionary what was that experience like obviously you didn't start out partnering with him you didn't start out in the mission field so what was it like in the beginning for you it was totally uncomfortable it was scary I was out of my comfort zone I was actually quite content looking after the kids at home feeling quite good about myself looking after the kids and making sure he can go do his mission work but um, the reality of it was that I felt cheated because he would come back all exhilarated and happy and and I would hear secondhand of what happened. And so eventually I became so anxious to be in on it with him. And the kids grew up and they left school and all of a sudden there was no more excuses for me to be on the sideline. And so I started joining him on his mission trips. And yes, the first time I joined him, it was, uh, I don't know what I, I thought I was going to expect, but it was totally different. I felt like... A spectator. I didn't know how to start. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to relate to the people in Swaziland. And that's when I realized how faithful and true and how awesome God's spirit is as our counselor. Because I just heard this whisper in my heart, God saying, just be their friend. That's all that I need. And that's all that they want from you is to just be their friend. And I started out reaching to them, and I was amazed at the godly friendships that were formed. Can you take us into that moment just a little bit more? I love that you were you were praying, asking God what to do, and then you actually yes. got an answer from Him. So can you go into that experience a little bit more and share with us what was that moment of receiving that like? And then what was it like to obey? Did it seem like instant confirmation that that was that you had heard right and you knew what you were supposed to be doing? Or was there a little bit of growing into that obedience? 
Um, well, I remember I remember stopping at the first church high up in the mountain in Swaziland and getting out of the car and my husband greeting everybody as, as they were family and I was just standing there not knowing what to do. And I, I felt awkward and I thought, but God, I wanted to come on missions and, and I feel nothing. I don't feel love towards them. I actually feel awkward. And that's when I truly heard God speak to my heart and say, just be their friend because that's what they need from me. And I didn't even, I don't know if I should have questioned it. I didn't even question it. I just knew that I knew that I knew because friendship has been something that God has been talking to me my whole life. I, the friendships he's given me, I knew was from him. And so that was familiar territory to me. I knew God as my friend. And so that was very familiar to me. And then I just really stepped out opened my heart and started greeting these people and the honor that they showed me instilled such a sense of trust that friendship seemed to form naturally between us. I mean, the Bible is truly the basis of all friendships and honoring one another, I think, is a vital component in any relationship and it, it creates that inviting atmosphere. So as soon as I took the first step, when I heard God say, be their friend, they immediately responded with honor and the atmosphere just, it was just so inviting. And I've learned and experienced that wherever he show honor, wherever I go with my husband now and I show them honor, I'm invited into their lives. And then I'm given a platform to share God's love with them. So I know God places a very high value ungodly friendships and that is something that has an eternal component and I'm so thankful for these godly friendships that were created. Wow so do you feel like you just have friends everywhere now? Yes I feel like I've got the Bible says we have got a crown we crowned from God and I feel like I've got these diamonds in my crown everyone presenting a friendship because God really really has crowned me with such godly friendships, it has enriched my life. I would have never have thought that I would be friends with, with ladies from Mexico or Swaziland or wherever we go. And I feel that I've been blessed through their friendships. Yeah. So when I, I'll tell you that when I, when I started stepping out in obedience, it definitely you asked me if it expanded or if it grew out of that. I will never forget God gave me a picture. I was journaling the day. And a picture popped up on my laptop and it was, I think it was Pinterest, but it was of Napoleon where he was crowning his wife, Josephine. I don't know if you know about this or if you've ever seen it. He desired to be emperor of Rome, but he could not crown himself. And an emperor was an honor that was to be bestowed by, bestowed by people. He had the power to crown others, but he couldn't crown himself. And when he crowned Josephine, that simple act of empowering his wife raised him up to the next level and he became the emperor. And it was from this position of honor that he would, that I serve women. So I've always got this picture when I, when I look at women and I remember Napoleon crowning his wife. And when we show honor to others, we are lifted up. And that's the friendship I desire and the friend that I would like to be to others. That's such a great analogy. Yeah, that really is. I've actually taken that Pinterest picture and I've, I've made a copy of it and I use it as a bookmark in my Bible to remind me how to treat others. I would love to see that picture if, 
you want to send it to us. Yes, definitely I will. Definitely. Now, as you've made friends in all these different cultures in different places, uh, have you found that it's difficult to make friends with others in different places? Or have you found that there's this common link that brings you together or that God has gifted you in a way that (laughs) you're able to cross over all boundaries? What has that experience been like of cross-cultural friendships? I am actually an introvert. I do not do groups very easily. Uh, I cannot walk into a room and just talk to women. But funny enough, when the common denominator is Jesus, I mean, when you kneel before the same God, there's an there's an automatic bond. It's so easy for me to talk to women about Christ. I think that's the difference. When I know whom I'm going to talk about, that makes all the difference. Then I've got the confidence and it does seem to flow naturally. Uh, I don't know if it flows naturally for everybody, but it seems very natural for me. Cross-cultural, I've never looked at any other thing that it's a woman opposite me. It's another mother. It's a sister. It's a wife. And so it's come. it does come naturally to me. So when you're approaching a new woman and have the goal of just establishing a friendship with her, how do you go into that beginning? So how God would use me in this role is, okay, for instance, if I go to Swaziland and I find that the pastor's wife is busy doing washing for that day, I literally meet them in their day, in their activities, in what they are doing, whether it's, um, if she's doing washing, I would pull up a chair and I would literally sit and do washing with her and I would just ask her how her day was. And me just coming down to to her level and her activities seems to really just make them feel comfortable. Whether it's working in the field, they do all the work. So whether they're working in the field, I'd literally go and work with them, alongside them. Whether they go down to the river to fetch water, I'll go with them, I'll walk with them. And I'll just start asking them how their day was. And that opens the door for, for conversation to flow. So you just meet them where they're at and give a a listening ear to hear about how their day has been. And that's the start of a friendship. (laughs) Just being available and showing sincere interest. And I must say that I'm very, very grateful because our conversations with the Swazi ladies has been filled with so many moments of truth. And despite our cultural differences, we really offer each other like uncovered conversations where we are simply women uplifting and edifying one another. And that's amazing. I literally feel that I'm more more transparent and honest with them than anywhere else because I can really just, just be myself with them. This also reminds me of a verse from John 13 that says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is that not just the hallmark of friendship? Yeah, yeah. And and that's it just is so evident through the way that you show love and establish these friendships with people that you are his disciple and um, that you have that relationship with him. Well, I have to say that it's all God because I'm really such an introvert, but I do feel if he deposits and he and he showers and he pours out his love in your heart, it gains momentum and it needs an outlet. And I don't think you can really help yourself by loving others once he's loved you. Mm, yeah. 
and I think that's that's a perfect picture of what God does for us anyways is he meets us where we're at and that's what you're doing is meeting people where they're at and that kind of thing comes from God because that's what he did for us he came to where we were and he worked alongside us and loved us where we were and it's such a perfect picture I love how that friendship is just a perfect picture of what Jesus did for us Yes, and I think we've met so many different people, different cultures. We've met the down and out and the up and out. Um, and my husband always says he's actually got a ministry for the up and out, that they really have got everything and they don't need God. But even to meet them at the place where they are, whether it's shopping, whether whatever they are doing again, it's just deciding that I'm going to come and I'm going to be in your life and what's important to you and and what's uh, what you like doing and I'm going to be part of that and it's literally what I found in Swaziland is stories are colliding with each other when you just open up to one another a part of a part of your story becomes their story it's like I know my story is this painting but in the background there might be a tree and a plant and that's somebody else coming into my life our, our stories do sort of intertwine with one another. I love that so much. Are there any specific passages in scripture that you have clung to or that have encouraged you and spurred you on in this mission to be a friend? To be a friend? Um, well, you can go through the whole books of Proverbs, I suppose, for that. But I know that iron sharpens iron. There's a scripture that says you need to grow up into the full statue of God. And I've always said what Adam and Eve had in the garden. That's why I love the garden. I love the garden because that was the perfect setting where God put Adam and Eve. And that's where he walked and talked with them. That's where friendship started. And and I just feel that I want it all. Um, I want to be sharpened. There's a, there's a scripture in James. James is a wonderful book about having a blind spot friend where James says, love me enough to come and fetch me. And I know that I I was fetched in my life. And so do you understand that type of friendship where you will not leave anyone behind? Love them enough to come and fetch them. If you see me wandering off, James says, love me enough to come and fetch me. And those are the type of scriptures that when I get tired, because I do get tired, when I feel despondent, when I feel that I'm really, am I really making a difference? I'd go through the book of James again, or I'd read Proverbs again. And then it will just inspire me to keep on keeping on. That also reminds me of uh, this picture in the New Testament where Jesus is in a house that's super crowded and this group of friends bring their paralyzed friend and lower him through the roof. And I, I yeah. love hearing you talk about that. So could you share that for our listeners? Well, that is, that's a scripture I'll never forget. That's in Luke 5. I think it's the better part of Luke 5, probably from 15, 18 onwards. Yes, and um, that was so nice to me, and it correlates with another scripture, which I'll explain to you now. But the man was paralyzed, which means he couldn't help himself. And he was on a mat, and he tried. they tried to take him to the house and lay him before Jesus, but the crowds, there were so many people that wanted the help. And so they went up. They put him on a stretcher and they went up the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And that was four friends that had to carry him, pick him up, 
taking up on the roof, open up the roof and lower him down. That just says to me that, you know, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. There's nothing that they won't do for a good friend. There's nothing that they won't do for each other. And then I also like after Saul's Damascus encounter with Christ, there was a scripture where he says the people were conspiring to kill him. Because he was, he couldn't stop about God. God had just opened up his eyes. He couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And they were conspiring to kill him. And um, his followers, his friends took him by night and they placed him in a basket and they lowered him through an opening through the wall with ropes until he was safe. And that is something that I know when I went through a hard time, my family literally did for me. They placed me in a basket until I was safe. And it reminds me of Moses being put in a basket. And I just feel sometimes we need to be that basket for somebody else. We need to be the ropes. We need more people being the ropes for one another or being the basket because everybody is going through such difficult times and everybody just need somebody to say, I'm going to love you enough to come and fetch you. I'm going to put you in a basket. I'll hold the ropes until you are safe again. And that's exactly what Jesus is for us too. He is that rope. He's the one who's come. He's left the 99 to go get the one. And so he's our perfect example of what it is to be that friend that goes after and and fetches the one that needs help. I remember one day it was raining in Swaziland and I went to fetch my umbrella and that's where this whole story of mine started with the Swazi woman and encouraging them to be umbrella women. So now they know when they see me umbrella woman. I just explained to them is when you see somebody standing in the rain, just offer them an umbrella. And that's actually so biblical is when we just offer them some sort of shade or some sort of help or some sort of just get out of the elements. Can I just you know, just offer an umbrella for somebody. Just be their support or their guide or their, uh, their Ruth for Naomi or their Boaz for a Ruth or whatever. Just there's everybody can do something just to lift the burden of somebody else. You don't mind me asking, can you share a little bit about you described a time in your life where you felt like you were the one in the basket and you had family to lift you through? a hard time you were going through. Can you share about what that experience was and what that looked like in your life? Well, it's quite personal. It's difficult to talk about, but it was after my divorce when I felt totally, totally, totally lost. And um, my family just gathered around me and they really, really encouraged me. When I say they put me in the basket, they had turns and every day somebody would phone me and make sure I was okay. Every day, um, I had a mom who would say, okay, it's enough. Lift up your head. You can do this now. And then after I'm phoning after half an hour and you'll be okay again. And they would phone me and really pray over me. And they would love me. They loved me back to myself again. They would just love on me and love on me and love on me. And they wouldn't give up on me. And they became the vehicle that I used to be healed again. Even when my mom passed away about four or five years ago, this is what our sisters did for one another. We would check in with one another and see who needed who, who needed us, for who should we hold the rope today. Today, I was strong and my sister was not. And the next day, the one sister is strong and the other one is not. It's just coming together and making sure that the other person is okay until the other person is safe. 
It's not just, okay, today I've got time and I'll check in on you. It's I'll check in on you until I know that you can walk again. And that's what it really means. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that was personal, but it it really was such a an encouraging image of what it is to be family, to be a friend, to be the church. I think that's what God intends the church to do for each other is when I am weak, you are strong and you can lift me. And when you are weak, I am strong and I can help lift you. And all of it is through the power of God. But that image of just working together to support one another, it's it was so beautiful the way you said that. That is, thank you. And and that is what church is. I mean, the body needs each other. And I think God in his wisdom knew it. And I think um, we are written letters. And it was amazing for me to read their love as they reached out to me. We are the living stones. And, and that's why I, I can sit in a church and I can go to different countries and I won't even understand the words or the music. But I know if you're singing to God, you don't have to sing what I like. You are singing to my God and I know where he fetched me and I cannot help but praise with you because of I've been put in so many baskets and I've been so many baskets for somebody else. I just don't see any other way. That is amazing. And I, I don't know what, uh, what all those stories must be like. I can't imagine what all those stories must be like because I think they must be so powerful each moment that you've had like that. But I'm curious to know about today. Today, how do you see yourself carrying out this role as friend? How do you see yourself supporting others? How do you see God leading you? Just, you know, where you can't see as well as maybe hindsight. But today, where can you see God working and where can you see him using you? Well, what I, what I, what I realize is happening is God has sort of told me to start setting a table, uh, a table of friendship, inviting friends. Not physically. I could be in Swaziland um, and the men can be busy, busy building or lighting the fire for a barbecue and I'll get all the women around in a circle. And that would be the table that we lay. And we invite God as our host and as our guest of honor. And the table is laid and we just sort of have these moments of real unveiled truth amongst us what what has happened recently is in with our last visit is there was a lady who came to me and we were praying about her son that didn't want to come to church and it's just as a side note wherever I go as soon as I get to know women the first thing they talk to me about is their children they don't ask for food or clothes they are worried about the future of their children and that's their concern and so Ten minutes in a conversation, I know the ladies are going to talk about their children. And she was coming to me and she was telling me we were praying last time I was there and her son is now starting to come back to church and she was testifying to me. And in the moment, while she was testifying, she said, please, 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 can I go and fetch my neighbor? I know she's also worried about her husband not coming to church. And up she ran and she went and like ten minutes later she came back with her neighbor And I was expecting her to tell me, can you talk to my neighbor? And it didn't happen. She went and she told her neighbor her story. And I realized how God is now using us just to tell and retell our stories. And that's what's happening at the moment. I'm not even telling the story anymore. They are telling their stories and leading people to Christ. And they are empowering one another. And that to me... um, 
was very significant. And I could see that God was using me just to get them to retell their own stories and to help each other. Because eventually we leave and we come back to Johannesburg and they are there. And I realized that they have been equipped to do whatever they need to do. I love that. That reminds me of the woman at the well, how she runs off and she goes and tells everyone. And it's not like she says, hey, come listen to Jesus. But she starts telling her own story. And I think that's exactly what you were just talking about. Yes, because I mean, around this table, we celebrate all of Christ together. That's what's and together we experience the life of Christ. We, we experience what it feels like. And this is, I know, an advantage I've got because I've been married to my husband, who's a missionary. I've got a front row seat. And once you've seen somebody in front of you give their life to Christ, it's like a drug. You are you have Christmas every day because Christ is reborn and he's reborn and he's reborn in this one. And it feels like you're intoxicated the whole time. And so with this Swazi woman as well, when we set the table and we invite Christ as our host, we share the joys and hope is restored. We learn learn lessons together. We feel heartache together. We are totally involved in each other's lives and we are really touching each other. It's not talking and walking away. Friendship nowadays is is used very casually. It's more of a covenant than just a casual mention. We are really touching each other's lives. Um, we invest in each other's lives. Uh, and we are bringing everybody's different talents to the table. And I promise you, it's you just sit back and you see what's happening. And you just say, God, thank you that I can be a part of this. Thank you that you chose me. This is just so encouraging to me, Natalie. I'm just kind of blown away and encouraged, and I feel challenged right now to go out and be a friend to everyone. And that's what I was hoping for everybody is actually to feel jealous about that type of friendship. And it's originated by God, and he's not a respect of any person. That's what he wants for all of us. Absolutely. And I just have another question for you. I know that for me, like you kind of said, that first time you ever share the gospel and like really have that experience, it is like a drug and it's so exciting and fun and you just can't stop talking about it. But I'm wondering just, is it hard sometimes to establish those or have those conversations, those gospel conversations? Can it be nerve wracking? And how do you handle that, I guess? Well, yes, I suppose it could be nerve-wracking. I could never do oral in school, never, ever, ever. I ducked and dived. I couldn't. I cannot talk in front of people. But funny enough, even when my husband would go on missions and I had to take over the services at church, I was a wreck. But I would climb up the steps, and within the second, third minute of me talking about Christ, you see, he's familiar to me. I know who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about somebody that's foreign. He's familiar to me, and he brings about a calmness because he's Lord, but he he is our friend as well. And and I'm talking about his goodness, and then a calmness comes over me, and it becomes much easier. I do get nervous because I don't know my all the verses, and I, I'm always worried somebody's going to ask me about something and I can't answer them. But I have learned to relax in that because I don't know the answers to everything. And that's why when we set the table, everybody can come. I learn more than what I give out that I can tell you for sure. I go to serve and then I get served. 
And that's what's so amazing. As soon as you open your umbrella for somebody else, you put yourself in a position to be blessed. And so I definitely walk away with more than where I go into. So yes, nervous. But then when I start talking about him and I know him, I know him as my friend and my God and my savior. And I can only talk about what I know about him. And then it's just calming. I don't know. It's not that nerve wracking after the first second minute. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for just sharing all this and sharing your heart with us and all these stories about being a friend to others. I think that uh, so many people will just be encouraged by that message. It's so simple, but so impactful. Yeah. I mean, we really don't, we really don't engage in that kind of friendship that often I don't think. I see, you know, even with social media on the rise and becoming almost our entire lives, friendship is just so shallow and so cheap sometimes. We don't really get to have those open conversations and those moments of sharing truth with one another and lifting each other up and being there. And like you said earlier, not just checking in when you have time, but checking in until you know someone is safe when they're going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. I think that's a powerful concept that I think is lost sometimes. And I think that this is such a great reminder. Like Michaela said, challenged her, challenged me. And I think that any of our listeners could be challenged by that because our friendships are so important and yet we sometimes discount them and leave them for just a shallow replica of friendship. I think that in the time that we are living in now, people are so lonely more than ever before. And if you pray to God for friendship, it's something that you will just stumble upon it. You will discover it in your day to day. And it's a choice to be with someone you enjoy, that you value, that you can count on. I mean, Jesus gave everything to his friends. He gave his knowledge. He gave his life. He doesn't call us servants anymore because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. He calls us friends because he has made known what he's doing. And with godly friendships, I found that when the world walks out, a godly friend comes closer. And the world is hungry for godly friends to come closer. And what I like to visualize when I'm when I want to make a new friend is I haven't got um, a magic wand in my hand, but I at the end of that conversation I hope that they know that we've got the sword of God in our hand and we can make a difference. Amen. <laughs> oh, I just love this. <laughs> I could I could just sit and listen to you talk all day about this, Natalie. <laughs> I think um, you can't go publicly further than you go privately with God. So I think godly friendship starts with you and God. It starts in the garden. It starts with you and God and and developing that friendship. And then it just literally what flows out is what he has put in in any case. So that's why it becomes easy. I think it starts with godly friendship and then it's just automatic. It's just because nothing of this I knew, nothing of this I anticipated or worked towards it just fell in mind. It just happened. It was just, I think it's maybe the purpose that God has for me in my life. I've just always loved people. I love having friends. I love my friends. I can't go without them. And um, I love being a friend and I love having, being surrounded by friends. So for me, I'm, I'm just very, very grateful that, that I'm in this position. I think that's going to be a theme of our podcast is hearing women talk about things that they didn't plan or set up or prepare for or 
were equipped for, but they just sort of happened. And God's oh, God. It's oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I think we're going to wrap this up now. But we do want to ask one more question of just what can we and what can our community be praying for you? Because we really do want to pray for you and continue to be connected to you in that way. I suppose for me, you know, just to not to endure. It's so easy with everything going on at the moment. Um, I mean, it's so difficult to get to everybody, to keep on keeping on. Um, Pray that I'd have... Um, a wealth of friends and that I can empower friends and that I can, I can really teach women that um, uh, I've just got the image of a jellyfish now but it's true, uh, this is how God speaks to me with pictures is a jellyfish has got all these tentacles but it's not there's no muscle so to empower women to use the authority that God has given them, that they know when they say in the name of Jesus, I mean Jesus said we can use his name so when I go into a place, I don't even come as Natalie. I come as Jesus sent me to help me to empower women to exercise what God has given them on the cross, to live from a place of victory, not to pray for victory. I'm done with rebuking every devil. Let God arise and the enemy scatter. To really make a difference, to take that sword in our hands and to start fighting for our families and to start fighting for one another, and to go and fetch every, all the wanderers, to love them enough to fetch them back. I want a harvest field. You can pray for me for a harvest field. I want to stand before him and say, well done. Mm. So beautiful. Yeah. We will be praying, and just, <laughs> of course, just so have to much. point out one last thing you said there that I loved, that God arise and the enemy scatter. That, that's yes. a beautiful prayer. I love that. I've heard so many times, and there's nothing wrong with let the Esther's arrive, let the Ruth's arrive. I'm saying let God arise. Just let God arise and everything will be fine. That's so true. Well, thank you, Natalie. We will be praying for you. We've had a wonderful time talking with you. Yes. I Um, loved it. Thanks so much. This was just such an encouragement to me. I... Like I said earlier, I really could just sit and listen to you talk all day. I, I hope that we get to meet someday. <laughs> I would really love to meet you. Well, two new friends, two new friends. Yes. Well, if you're you're ever in the states, uh, let us know, and we'll we'll see if we can connect. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to the Adorned Women podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then follow us on our Instagram for even more great content all week long. Our handle is at Adorned Women. You can also visit our website at www.adornedwomen.com. And of course, join us again next week as we connect with another sister in Christ and learn so much from her life of faith. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.